Hi, everyone. This is Anthony Diaz with the Pop Health Show. And uh, as a lot of you know, this show is for anyone that is has a passion and purpose and wants to make an impact in someone else's life or even in their own when it comes to health. We co- cover a variety of different topics. Uh, we've covered uh, mindfulness and yoga poses and, and things like CRISPR. Uh, but what's most important today is uh, today's guest. Today's guest is Dr. Michelle uh, Akkad, and uh, and we're super excited to have him. Dr. Akkad is a is a has a vast background in cardiology. He's been in the cardiologist space for some time now, and uh, he's going to share his thoughts and insights on cardiology, but just health in general. And uh, he's currently with Athletic Heart San Francisco, and he has his own uh, physician practice as well. Um, but I don't want to steal his thunder. Dr. Akkad, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you very much, Anthony. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Great. No worries. Yeah. And this is just exciting to have you. And, and you know, we're always interested to dive deeper in anyone that has an expertise in in, in the heart, which is such a, an important organ. But, um, you know, how we always like to get started is, you know, origin stories. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about your background, how you got started, your, your origin story. Sure. As you can tell from my accent and name, I'm from Texas. <laughs> that's um, well. That's where I went to school, and I spent uh, uh, many years in Texas, actually. So I, I, I joke about that here uh, frequently. I'm originally from Lebanon. Uh, mm-hmm. That's my country of origin. Uh, but I did move to Texas when I was, um, uh, you know, to, to go to college. Actually, when I turned 18. Um, and I went to medical school there in Houston at the uh, Texas Medical Center. And that's where I did my training um, uh, in medical school and in internal medicine. And then I came to San Francisco for my cardiology training at mm-hmm. UCSF. And, um, and I did cardiology, general cardiology. Then I did my training in what's called interventional cardiology. Those are the, the procedures where you can you know, put stents and poke the heart and <laughs> do things like that with, uh, you know, in a minimally invasive way. And I've been in practice uh, uh, in the Bay Area since then. So that was, um, uh, you know, uh, two th- I finished my training in 2002. So we're close to 17, you know, 17 mm-hmm. years or so. And, uh, and here I am. So... Uh, that's, um, I started off working in a more traditional setting. Um, I was for many years with, uh, Kaiser Permanente, uh, when I first, uh, started in San Francisco. And then I, I, uh, moved into the private practice, uh, scene and started my own practice, um, six, seven years ago. Mm Um, also here in San Francisco. Dr. Akkad, what drove you to the heart as, as an organ to, to focus on or, or to the space of cardiology? That's a good question. You know, it took me a long time to decide what I was interested in. Uh, it wasn't, um, even in medical school, I, I, I had a hard time deciding what, uh, what specialty, you know, the, the broad, the, the, the major categories of, uh, to choose from when you finish medical school are either surgical uh, specialties, so you you would start with general surgery and then subspecialize in in a surgery, or family medicine where you do sort of every a little bit of everything, or obstetrics gynecology, or internal medicine, which is a broad uh, area of the medical non surgical specialties, or psychiatry. So those are the five sort of major groups. 
mm-hmm. and I had really had a hard time deciding which one I would go into get into. Um, I, I, I was interested in family med. I was really interested in everything. I finally decided on internal medicine because I wanted to understand the physiology. So that's that's the one that's a little bit more intellectual. I mean, in terms of trying to understand the physiology. Um, and then once I did internal medicine I, and to subspecialize again, it took me, <laughs> I was interested in every organ and I decided to go to, into cardiology because um, it combines a little bit of the surgical procedures. You can do procedures. You also do a lot of, di- you know, you have to figure out things. So you, there's a lot of diagnostics involved. Mm-hmm. You, you deal with acute conditions, you deal with chronic conditions. So there's a lot of variety and, you know, the heart is pretty central to to health um you know it's not the end all be all but right <laughs> but it's right but it's it's pretty central so absolutely so it, it was a kind of a fun uh, it's a fun specialty to to get into no that's great no really really appreciate that um and your current focus uh and speaking of which uh you know i know you have you know certain mindsets on on health and cardiology but you know what love to hear more about your your mindset on health you know I, love to I, hear I, also about what has you passionate you know in in the space of health today that's right you know so i'm interested <laughs> anthony i i got interested about um 10 years ago or so um in the fact that uh, sometimes the medical profession seems to define diseases in in very arbitrary ways um, mm-hmm. You know, that kind of struck me at some point in my, you know, after I finished my training or even maybe even at, towards the end of my training, that all of a sudden we decide, uh, you know, we use cutoff numbers and we say, if, you're, if your cholesterol level is above this number, you have high cholesterol. And if it's below this number, you're, you're normal, quote unquote normal. But the, the distinction between normal and abnormal is just just one cutoff point, right? So if you're on one side, you're abnormal. If you're just... A little bit on the other side, you're normal. And same thing with a lot of things. Um, uh, the de- definition of diabetes is on a cutoff mm-hmm. number. The definition of high blood pressure, right? If your blood pressure is right below the cutoff, you're normal. And it doesn't make sense because actually it's a it's a continuous thing, right? You, you go from one to the next, you know, very continuously. If your cholesterol, there's nothing physiological about a cholesterol level of 200 or 150 or whatnot. You know, there's no abrupt cutoff. Uh, mm-hmm. in the body. So then I thought, well, how how does that make it a disease? How do we define what a disease is? And then I started thinking, well, how do we even define what health is? And then I reflected back into my medical school training and I thought, you know, we never had any lesson or any class in, in my entire medical school uh, or s- subsequent to that about what health is, right? Mm-hmm. So that, that's kind of interesting. And I started to think about it and, you know, what do we mean by health? What, what does it mean that we're healthy? In a way, we think about health, frequently we think about it as well-being, right? If we feel well, then we're healthy. And certainly there's a big component of that, but that's not the entire picture because some people can actually feel completely well, you know, even though they may have, you know, something really bad in them, right? Uh, mm-hmm. That we, we can only discover through testing or, or, or some other ways. And other times people can not feel good, you know, and nevertheless be healthy. I mean, all of us in the course of the day, you know, <laughs> at some point in the day, we're not going to feel well or, or so the well-being doesn't capture completely what health is. Um, and so, so that's interest, interests me currently very much. And I, and I write about it and I, and I think part of the problems in the healthcare system 
have to do with the fact that we, we don't articulate very well what health is. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we haven't really figured that one out. And um, sometimes we think of the body as a machine. And in some ways it is a machine, but it's not completely a machine. And it, Because if you think about health in terms of a machine, that means that you're going to think about, you know, uh, the body being having to uh, conform to a, a blueprint, you know, specs and whatnot. And that's not really how it is. Uh, It is in some ways, but not completely. Um, And so all all these questions interest me. I I write about Mm -hmm. them. I I, I find them fascinating. And and I think it's an important concept that needs to be Mm -hmm. articulated more. It it, it is pretty interesting. And yeah, you're hearing well-being more used because it seems like well-being over the word health um, feels like it has reference points baked in right there's like it feels like there's a numerator and denominator value yeah so well-being well-being appeals to the the subjective aspect of health and clearly Mm -hmm. health has a subjective aspect how how one feels right how how you feel that's very important but there's also an objective aspect of health right health cannot just only be how my patient feels Mm -hmm. um that's important but it's it's not the entire story i mean and in fact if if people go to doctors or health professionals or whatnot, it's primarily to have an objective set of eyes, mm-hmm. you know, look over things and say, you know, this is this is normal or abnormal or healthy or unhealthy. Uh, so well-being appeals to the subjective, which is important. There's also an objective one, an objective aspect of health. And and frequently on the objective, we, we tend to reduce it to a mechanical sort of machine-like thing where the doctor will look at, do a bunch of tests and, and blood tests and whatnot and... And and th- and that's true to some degree, right? There there are aspects of that that's c- that are correct. Now, how mm-hmm. do the two fit together is, you know, interesting. And, you know, uh, there's a question of of making a judgment. You know, the doctor making a judgment. You know, it's mm-hmm. a judgment call, and and he or she can be right or wrong and all that. And it's very difficult to articulate, uh, frankly, Anthony. Uh, but it interests mm-hmm. me greatly. <laughs> it, it interests me greatly. Dr. Cobb, maybe you could tell us a little bit about, you know, what your current focus is and your, your current practice and, and um, love to hear a little bit more and kind of what you're working on uh, today. And, and then also another, you know, follow up to that. I don't, I don't know if, it, you know, because you see a lot of patients today. I even think about it, right, for myself, because my, my dad passed away from 58 from a heart attack. He had heart disease. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm trying to always really figure out for myself. And I think our listeners are as well the heart is so important. How should one be thinking about their own heart health on making sure everything's okay in this? It's like a black box, right? How do we know what's going on in there? Um, like what should, how should one be thinking about their own heart health, you know, from a, a, a right. scan perspective or, you know, making sure they're it's beating, everything's working, you know, right. it's really intricate, right? So, so is, uh, is, that's, that's 17 questions in one, by the way. <laughs> it's a very good question. It's a very good question. Yeah. It's a very controversial question in, in the field of cardiology. Right. So in my field, right. it's very controversial. And there are some people who, who would say, well, you, uh, you shouldn't, um, you know, there's no value to screening or, or to getting checked out. You know, people are going to be fine. Only check out if check things out if people have symptoms uh, on the other hand we also know that people who don't have any symptoms you know uh, there are many tragedies where people just the first symptom that they have is that they drop dead or they have a, mm-hmm. a heart attack so so to the extent that we can avoid that uh, then we should uh, but it's tricky it's tricky because 
um, you run into problems or there are in, in technical lingo, they're called false positives and false negatives, right? If you screen, if you apply certain tests, you know, broadly, you're going to come up with a lot of abnormalities that end up not meaning much or meaning little, or maybe they, they worry the patient when they shouldn't be worried and all that stuff. And it can be very expensive. So there are public health implications and all that. So it, it's very complicated, but I, I think it should be, Uh, to some extent individualized uh, mm -hmm. to, to a great extent I think there is value to screening provided that it's done uh, judiciously that it's done well um, and I have my own routine about what I think is reasonable to do um, for people at a certain age um, and, and generally I don't go out and put you know uh, I'm, I'm not in favor of Uh, having billboards everywhere and telling everybody you need to get your heart screened immediately is blah 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 and create a little bit of anxiety in the population i think that's mm -hmm. a little too much on the other hand if people reach a certain age you know we know that most of the time i mean it, 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 it not all the time but most of the time heart disease affects people you know middle age and and older you know in 40s. Mm -hmm. if they reach that age and they want to you know they want to make sure that their cardiovascular system is okay Then I think I think that's that's um, a perfectly reasonable question to have, and there are certain tests that one can do, including a, a coronary calcium scan or an other mm -hmm. test and whatnot that that can be helpful to to give sort of a a gist of how healthy the system is. You know, are there things that one needs to be to pay attention to? And frequently, those things are things that we actually already know about. It's about you know being having a good diet, you know, a healthy diet mm -hmm. and exercise and whatnot. But doing the screening can help motivate or it gives you something you know to to grasp a baseline that you can say okay now i know i'm at this level and uh and i'm gonna uh, motivate me to change you know to improve my lifestyle uh, a little bit more that sort of thing um but it, but you know it's it should be individualized and and um and some people may decide that um uh, You know, a person may say, you know, I don't want to know and I'm I'm doing fine and I'm healthy and I'm, I'm trying to do my best and I don't want to get screened. And that's perfectly reasonable as far as I'm concerned, right? It, we shouldn't mm -hmm. obligate everybody to to undergo the screening. But there's there's value to the screening. Um, if if someone wants to know and, and want to wanna make sure, I don't, I don't see anything wrong with that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, and, and I know you do a variety of these services and, and you do a lot of different I tests do. with that lighter cart and... Maybe you can tell our listeners a little bit on kind of, you know, what your your practice is and, and right. what you focus on. So, yeah. you know, to go back to what I was saying earlier about um, defining diseases on the basis of cutoff numbers like blood pressure mm -hmm. and cholesterol and all that, which I think is a little bit arbitrary, right? Because if, if, if you're going to say your blood pressure is too high when it's 140 over nine, you know, over 140, over nine, now they keep changing the definition. So, you know, whatever, <laughs> you know, send... I mean, it, it's conceivable that if you're just even a little bit below that, you could still be in trouble. And it's also conceivable that if you're above that, that you actually could be fine because the body rea may react differently uh, to the blood pressure from one, one person to the next. A given blood pressure may affect one person uh, more than it affects another person or less and whatnot. So I think that going by those numbers is not enough. So if somebody wants to, to see how they are, I think there's value in... Um, examining the body a little bit more examining the blood vessels and examining the heart with an ultrasound and, and doing that sort of thing if if there's some uncertainty about you know people want to avoid taking medications if they can most most people do 
And I think it's reasonable to look at the uh, more deeply at the health of the cardiovascular system, the heart, the blood vessels, and so forth, to, to get an assessment beyond just measuring the blood pressure uh, and, and looking at those numbers. Because the blood pressure is very fickle. It will change from one moment to the next. If people are nervous mm-hmm. when they go to the doctors, it can be a little higher. When they go home, it can be lower. It can be higher when they're at work. They actually don't even know it, but they're stressed out at work and it can be high and all that, you know. So so, so that's where I think the, the battery of tests can be helpful to to get a better understanding of what's what's going on there and, and be a little more judicious and either avoid having to take medications if, if things look like they're pretty healthy or on the on the other on the other side, not being too um, complacent about, about a blood pressure that's borderline. When we actually see that, in fact, you know the the the, the heart is is um, feeling the stress of this, you know, moderately high blood pressure, and maybe it's time to intervene more more aggressively. Same mm-hmm. thing with cholesterol and other parameters of that sort, right? So, so if we just go by cutoff numbers, I think we we don't do uh, we do a little bit of a disservice to the patient if we if we act on the basis of just these. Uh, cutoff numbers and doing a little more in-depth examination can be very helpful. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, mm-hmm. that's and, the approach here that I take. And Dr. Akkad, just to follow up in terms of thresholds and cutoff numbers, um, are, are you seeing a lot more patients now or just in general, um, like society has it now, you know, food's changed a lot, you know, there's, there's obesity that's rampant and um, there's a lot of things in changing that in society. Do you, are you, are you seeing people's hearts become healthier? Or are you be seeing certain, you know, hearts are not as healthy as they used to be? Right. I th- What's I, your mindset on, on on heart health from a societal perspective? Because you see so many, right? That's very interesting. And I think there's no question about it that the population is actually healthier, much healthier than it was 20, 30, 40 okay. years ago. And okay. that's true from the epidemiology that the data is clear. You know, mortality is is has gone down tremendously for heart disease. And it's funny mm-hmm. that you say that because actually there's a lot of a bit of scaremongering where people, you know, you hear in the news all this scaremongering. I mean, on the one hand, it's true that heart disease is prevalent and one has to be careful. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, you know, it, it, it can be uh, taken out of proportion. So people mm-hmm. generally are healthy uh, as, as a population. I think that's true. Um, on the other hand, people can continue to be healthier uh, if they choose to and if that's what uh, what's best for them. And so I do see uh, people who are, um, you know, I mean, some hearts who, who need attention. Uh, I mean, there's no question about it. And um, and so, so I think, but I think uh, the trend on is the positive. Hearts that the, the, stay, yeah. Just to follow up to that, on, on the hearts that stay healthy, what's the one or two things that you see those individuals doing that, that makes their hearts healthy? Um, I, I th- you know, it's uh, going to be a combination. One, one of them is, is w- so weight, weight is important, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it's important to, uh, uh, to be on, on, the, on the leaner side. But then again, even there, you have people who are more overweight who seem to be handling it quite well from a cardiac standpoint. So it's not at the end all mm-hmm. be all, but that's, that's one aspect. Um, there are, uh, you know, dietary factors that undoubtedly play a role. Uh, there are stress factors that uh, may play a role in, in ways that we don't completely understand. And that's kind of the fun part. If we find that somebody, if I find that someone is, you know, needs some attention, you know, based on the examination of, of the cardiovascular system, then we want to say, well, what, what, what is the cause? What is at play? 
and and try to figure out you know what uh, what can be done is, is it going to be the diet that's really the main factor here is it going to be you know is the stress level are people having you know are really stressed out they're not sleeping well they, you know they, they may be taxing their body in, in a way you know that um that is more psychological than than actually physical and whatnot so uh, there can be a variety of causes um and of things to do that can you know have to be individualized at the end of the day to every mm -hmm. every person no this is no i really appreciate that i think i you know it's always i think benefits our listeners to to hear you know kind of the the main elements that things that they can be mindful over control uh dr akkad um one of the major questions that I end off usually these episodes with is, is kind of, you know, future focused, you know, so you have your, your practice, you've, you've been focused on cardiology for a while. You've seen so many trends. You've hit some interesting topics, I think on this episode along the lines of, of, of mindfulness in terms of thresholds and, uh, numbers. Um, what has you excited about the future in health or, or what is something you believe that other people, think is crazy <laughs> or that, that hasn't been proven yet just love to hear you know more along those lines you know so i i i'm very actually optimistic even though the healthcare system seems to be you know in, in terrible shape and, and it is in, in in many ways but i find a, a very good news in in um, a lot of what i call the decentralizing trends um where uh, there are more independent doctors, you know, I, I mean, in a way I've, I've chosen, I, I've swim, I'm swimming against the, uh, the stream here because, um, you know, th there's a big stream of medical practices consolidating and joining and becoming, you know, larger and larger, uh, in order to respond to the, the demands of uh, insurance companies and government regulations and things like that. And, um, mm -hmm. and those are very onerous. And then they, they, they limit the independence of the doctor and the flexibility of the doctor. But there's a mm -hmm. trend of doctors actually going the other way and, and saying, no, we're going to open small practices and we're going to be, we're going to think outside the box. We're going to deal with patients directly, uh, try to do it outside the health insurance system and, and, and all that big bureaucracy. We're going to try to provide our services at a affordable, uh, you know, reasonable fee and transparent, you know, price transparency is, is, uh, uh, is, is a big topic. And a lot of doctors mm -hmm. are taking that to, you know, embracing that to their advantage. Uh, saying we're not it's not going to be an obscure thing and also think outside the box uh, be a little bit less mechanical about our approach to health right and mm -hmm. and there may be a, a, a greater diversity of philosophies about what health is among doctors which i think is healthy uh, it's healthy right. to have different points of view um so so in that respect i think it's it's exciting uh, i i'm in touch with the, the community of doctors who think along those lines you know across the country and mm -hmm. and we're all very optimistic and and uh, and and we think that, that a lot of good will come out of that trend of what what we called the direct care trend. You know, doctors directly taking care of patients. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely, Doctor Cod. This was uh, this was powerful and this was great. I think it's really great nuggets in here. Um, really appreciate you being on the show. Um, sharing your experiences, what your focus is on and, and you know, where, where you've been and where you're going and um, really appreciate the thoughts and value you're adding here. Um, Dr. Cod, if our listeners wanted to get a hold of you, what would be the, the best way to, uh, to engage with you? So I have two practice websites, one for my cardiology website, and it's called uh, athleticheartsf.com. 
athleticheartsf.com. So that's the URL, athleticheartsf.com, or you can Google Athletic Heart of San Francisco. And then I have a, a, a general practice uh, website, and that's just my, it's dracad.com, D-R-A-C-C-A-D.com. Both of these websites will have a contact page and, and I'll get, and I'm happy to respond uh, to any inquiries. But I wanted to thank you, Anthony, for, um, for a delightful uh, few minutes here uh, chatting with you. That was uh, really great. Yeah, no, this was great. I really appreciate it. I always learn a ton uh, from doing these and, and hopefully our listen, listeners will as well. And I'm sure they will. And I'm sure you'll get some comments and, and engagement and feedback. Um, but most importantly, really appreciate your time, Dr. Cott. This was My great. pleasure. Thank you so much. And, and for everyone uh, listening, again, Pop Health Show, tell your friends about it. Um, we will put the uh, in the show notes uh, how to co- contact uh, Dr. Akkad. But as always, it's the Pop Health Show, and it's for anyone determined to make um, more than one person healthier uh, in, in their lifetime. So much appreciated as always, everyone. Thank you. <laughs>